0: Series called Against All Odds. I want to ask you a question. How many of you believe that God still does what people consider to be impossible? How many of you believe that? He still does that. You know, I want you to know that I believe that. Uh, I never will forget back in 1998, I was uh, sitting in my office one day and, and uh, uh, one of our secretaries rung my office and said, uh, Pastor, there's a lady that'd like to talk to you. Her name is Virginia. And I knew who she was when she said that. And I say. like, Yes, I was available to take the call. And uh, Virginia said, Pastor, I just had to call and tell you today uh, something that God has done for me. And I was like, Virginia, what is it that God's done for you? I was ex- she was excited. She said, I want you to know that, you know, I've been not been able to see for a long time. I've been blind. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, this morning I can see. This morning I can see. Isn't that a miracle? Isn't that amazing? And, and you know, so sure enough, she comes to the church that Sunday, and when she walked in the door, I mean, like, she just stood there with her mouth agape and going, wow, you know, she'd never seen the church before, and she'd heard my voice, for you know, for a couple of years, and so she's like, oh, pastor, I want to just see what you look like. Well, I think she's a little disappointed in that. I think I sound a little more sexy than I look, you know, but, but anyways, uh, it was a miracle of God, I mean, a divine miracle of God. And it was amazing. And, you know, as that lady, she said, you know, before I went to bed that night, she said, you know, I've been praying. And she said, God, I'll, I'll, I'll feel my way around this house the rest of my life if that's what you want me to do. But I know that you can heal me, give me eyesight. And the next morning, she woke up and could see. And so God does miracles. You know, I love the Christmas season. I love the Christmas story. And I always go back to Mary. You know, Mary being a teenager and the angel coming to her you know, and the angel was not like with wings and a halo. The angel was sort of in the form of a person, and looked like a person, and began to speak to her, and said, "Mary, you know, you're going to have a baby, and uh, you know, with uh, just in a few months." And she, Mary's like, "You've got the wrong address. Uh, nobody has ever touched this. You know, you not. Nobody's has been come close to me." And so uh, he, she's, she's like, "Well, you know, it's not going to happen." The angel said, "Yes, it is." She said, "Well, let me ask you a question. How can this be?" And the angel said in Luke 31, uh, Luke 1 and 37 said this, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. That's a, Jesus' birth is an impossibility, and she says nothing is impossible with God. You know, and Jesus grew up, of course, and he was born of the Virgin Mary, and he grew up, lived 33 and a half years on this earth, died on a cross for our sins in heaven with God, but when he was here, he was teaching, and you know what Jesus said to all of us? He wrote it down, and it's written in the Scripture, Matthew 19, 26. Look what it says. It's coming up on the screen. Read it out loud with me. Ready? Come on. All things are possible with God. Come on, a little louder. Ready? All things are possible with God. Do you believe that? All things are possible with God. You and I face impossibilities, but with God, all things are possible. All things are possible. And that's what I want us to lean into today. And I don't know what impossibility you're facing today, But that word all covers yours. It's right. It's not just, you know, you hear preachers get up and talk about this stuff. All things are possible with God. And we think that it's just for people like me. But I'm telling you, it's not. All things are possible with God. And so this morning as I, uh, or this afternoon as I begin to share with you, I, I want to talk to you about a guy who faced an impossibility. And so the title that I have for you today is How to Accomplish the Impossible. How do you accomplish the impossible? There's a guy in the Bible that you read about, you, get, you start in Genesis and you read about six chapters in and all of a sudden you, you come across a guy by the name of Noah. Does anybody know what Noah built? An ark, right? He built an ark, a big boat. And so I want to carry you right into that story, but before I do, I want to give you point number one, and this is how you accomplish the impossible of God. Number one, would you write this down? Is walk in the favor of God. That's the first thing, walk in the favor of God. Look what the Bible says, Genesis 6, it says this, the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was what? Consistently what? And totally evil. It was a day in which hours were, there's evil everywhere. And so it goes on and says this, so the Lord was sorry that he had made them and put them on the earth. Now, would you read these next four words out loud? Let's read them. Ready? Come on. It broke his heart. I want you to understand that evil breaks God's heart and sin breaks God's heart. So it, it's not just a matter of saying, you know, well, well, it, God doesn't really care. Yes, he does. It breaks his heart. And it says this, and the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, and I will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the air. I am sorry I made them. That sounds like the parent of a teenager sometimes, doesn't it? (laughs) Okay, we'll move on from that. Now, look, let's read what's underlined. You ready? Come on, you ready? But Noah found favor with the Lord. Noah found favor with the Lord. You know, Noah, Noah found favor with God because he was a guy that loved God, but he didn't find favor with the people. Matter of fact, Noah found favor of God, but he, the people were, but he was frowned on by the people of his day. Why is that? Because Noah, Noah had morals, he had values, and he had moral values, God's moral values living inside of him and living them out. And let me just tell you something it is, nat- it is natural for the sinful nature of you and I, or the, a person living in sin, to criticize and try to pull down a person who's trying to live right for God. You understand that? Like when you go up in God, your friends or family members that, that have not, they do one of two things. Either they try to pull you down to where they are, or either they got to come up to where you are, right? And most of the people that are living in sin don't want to step up to where you are, so you make them feel guilty just your presence, right? Just your presence. And so they're always trying to pull you back down to where they are. And that's exactly what was going on in Noah's day, is that Noah found favor in the eyes of God, and, but not in the eyes of people. They didn't like him. And so have you ever found favor in someone's eyes? Maybe, have you ever been favored by anybody? Like maybe by a teacher or maybe by, you know, maybe by a, a parent or a, a grandparent or, or maybe by, you know, an employer, employee, uh, been favored. You know, I, don't, I want you to know, I had never been favored by anyone until last year. Last year, I finally, I finally made the favor list, Right? And uh, Rhonda and I was at my grandmother's house. She'll be 93 in two weeks. I was at my grandmother's house last year, and I went over, and we were sitting there talking to her, and we called her mama, and I was sitting right there, and she calls me Jeffrey. Jeffrey? That's what she said, Jeffrey? And uh, so I was sitting there, so she leaned over from the chair. I was sitting on the couch right beside her, and she put my hand, my hand was like right there. She put her hand on top of my hand like this. She said, Jeffrey, now you know, You've always been my favorite. 50 years. Took 50 years for that to come. 50 years. You've always been my favorite. And so I was like, yes. So, you know, we, we get ready to leave. Rhonda and I go get in the car, and I'm gloating, right? I mean, I'm, my, why not? Just You know, I'm glo- I just discovered this. I'm my grandmother's favorite, you know. And so I look at Rhonda. I said, did you hear that? Momo called me her favorite. She said, Jeffrey, do you know that you've always been my favorite? And Rhonda looked back at me and she said, Jeff, you know your grandmother has dementia. And she tells everybody that. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Look what the Bible says, Genesis 6 and 9. It says, This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a what? He was a righteous dude. That's what he was. He was a righteous man the only blameless person living on the earth at the time, and he walked in what? Close fellowship with with God, right? So he was favored by God because he walked in close fellowship with God. You know, here's what I want you to understand is that the favor of God comes with the fellowship of God. The favor of God follows the fellowship with God. When you're in fellowship with God, that, that's when the favor of God comes is when you're, you're doing that. You know, the reason that God hates sin so much is because it separates the fellowship between you and He. You know, it's like when you, it's like, you know, have you ever had someone in your life that, you know, they, they know what you like, right? They know who you are, what you like, and then th- there's another friend that comes along, and all of a sudden, they do something that they know you don't like to go be with that friend. You know what I'm talking about? Have they ever like ditched you like that or, either, or cut you down or said something bad about you? You know that feeling? And they just, they hurt you to go be with them. It's like they leave you. And that's the way God feels with sin because every time we choose to sin, it's like we're choosing to separate ourselves from God. And God hates it. You know why he hates it? Because you can never be the person you were created to be while you're living in sin. You know why? Because it detaches you from the fellowship of God. It separates you from God. You know, I want to be honest with you. I have two children, and I favor my children. They have my favor. I favor them. They're my children. You may not like them. They may aggravate you, get on your nerves, whatever, and you're like, how in the world can the pastor's kid be like that? You know, but they're mine. They're mine, right? And I favor my children. Now, I want to tell you something. I'm not, I may favor my kids, my children, but I, they've not always walked in my favor, you see what I'm talking about? I mean, there's been, there's been times as they were growing up, especially in those teen years, you know, that, that I was like, okay, you know, to stay in fellowship with me, then, you, then I want you to, you know, do this, and then I ask them to do it, and guess what? They choose not to and do something else, and at that time, our fellowship become a little broken, and even though I, I favored them, they were not walking in my favor. Does that make sense to you? I couldn't bless them. You understand? Even though I still favored them, I couldn't, I couldn't bless them. They couldn't walk in my favor. Matter of fact, one of my pastor's friends was telling me about how that his son, you know, he was teaching his son a lesson and how that, uh, you know, he, he, was, he had done something wrong. They'd broken fellowship. And, and so it come time to discipline him and how that he handed his son the belt and, and said, son, I'm going to take your punishment like Jesus took ours. And his son just wept and, you know, give his dad his belt back. And so I decided I would try that with my son. <laughs> it's not as bad as you think, maybe. So anyways, I go in there, I say, I say, son, I just want you to know today, I am going to take your punishment. Our, you know, you have sinned against me, and like I sinned against Jesus, and he took our punishment, and today I'm going to take yours. And so I, I handed him the belt. I'm sorry if that offends you all, but we used one at our house, okay? And, uh, and so we took the, I handed him the belt, And I leaned over the bed, and, uh, you know, there was a deep sigh. Uh, Then there was a pow, pow, pow. (laughs) He laid three licks on me before I could even turn around. And then I turned around and looked at him in a a surprise, and he said, "And are you ever going to do that again? (laughs) Get out of here. So I'm telling you, the favor of God. And so the favor... So you, you're, when you're a child of God, you're favored by God, but, but you, when you walk in close fellowship with God, that means you walk in the favor of God. His blessings come with you and go before you and follow you. Amen? And so that's what, that's what we want to do is walk in the favor of God. Now, here's a question. Are you walking with the favor of God? Are you walking with the favor of God? Are you walking in close fellowship with God? And today I want to tell you how that journey starts. It's by you receiving Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. That's where it starts at. Every week, people sitting in these seats receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. You know why? Because their lives are going to get better. Their opportunity for a better life begins with Jesus Christ. And so if that's you today, I know somebody, some of you here, there's a prayer inside of our program called the Prayer to Become a Christ Follower. Many people say, I don't know what to pray. Well, there it is. You can pray that prayer. Say, God, this is me. And when you do that, just check the back of this card right here. This says, I'm praying the prayer to become a Christ follower, and then we're going to pray for you this week. Amen, everybody? Amen. Amen. The best decision I ever made in my life. So, remember the verse that Jesus said. Remember what Jesus said, Matthew 19, 26. Let's read it together. Ready? Come on. All things are possible with God. Do you believe that? All things are possible with God. Jesus said it. And so the second thing I would like to tell you, how to accomplish the impossible. Number two, write this down. Do what God asks you to do. Do what God asks you to do. Now watch Noah's story here. This is amazing. So God begins to speak to Noah, and this is what he says. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you're to build it. The ark is to be how many feet long? You realize that a football field is only 300 feet long, and then he goes on and says, "This it's 75 feet wide and 45 feet high, baby." That's a cruise ship. Did you? Ask? God is asking Noah to do this. He's asking to build an ark, a big boat that is the size of a cruise ship. Now, here he, then listen. Can you imagine if I tell you, okay, I want you to build a cruise ship, and I bring you an axe. Because Noah didn't have all the modern tools that we have today. He didn't have any of that stuff. And it's basically God says, here's an axe, Noah, go to work. As a matter of fact, to give you a picture of what the ark may look like, there's the ark encounter in Kentucky. And Rhonda and I took a trip up there a few years ago. And uh, here's a photo of that. And you can see they have actually made a a, a duplicate of of that uh, ark by by the prints in the Bible. And it's actual size. And I was amazed. It's like four stories high and they did all the stuff that that the Bible said to do. It is amazing. If you ever get the opportunity to go to Kentucky and see that it is amazing, you should go. I mean, it's a great experience for your family. And and so you can see how big it is. Now, the thing that I want you to understand in this point is this, is that it had never rained before. So God's asked Noah to build a boat, and it's never rained before, and Noah said, there's going to be a flood, the way that they got water was the underground springs that would come up and water, you know, they'd get water from the earth that way. And so Noah's building an ark. And as he's building this ark, it becomes very controversial because he says, I'm going to build an ark. Why? Because God's going to send a flood. And if you listen, if you'll repent, Noah's saying, if you'll repent with me, you can get on this ark with me and God will save you. And it became very controversial. Let me tell you something. When they built this ark, it was amazing how many people were walking around with their protest signs in 2016, you know, because they built this art. And I want to tell you, God is controversial. Did you hear that? God is controversial. Anytime that, you know, anytime you bring up God and His Word, it becomes very controversial. And God is, so let's just get used to it. You know, people are not always going to see things the way God sees it. And, uh, and But we do as Christians. And so not only that, but Noah had a job. I mean, Noah... Noah, let me tell you how old Noah was at this time. You ready for this? Noah was 500 years old. 500 years old. Now, some of you are complaining about little, being old. Let me tell you, you're not old. <laughs> 500 is old, right? Noah was 500 years old at this time. I'll tell you something I didn't tell the other service. A little Bible trivia. Do you know that it was right after Noah and the flood that God changed the age to 120 years that he would give a man? And it was a little later on in Scripture, it went to 75. And so... Uh, so also, so Noah was actually 500 years old, so he had a job, and he was like, you know, God, i got to keep feeding my family, i got to raise my family, and you want me to build an ark? And what I'm telling you is that Noah had a great excuse, right? Lord, I'm too old for this. I'm an old man, I'm 500 years old. But he didn't give that. And Let me just say this to you, listen. God cannot bless an excuse. If you're going to do the impossible, and you're going to attempt it with God, God cannot bless an excuse. You know what God blesses? God blesses effort, and God blesses consistency. You say, when you don't know what to do, you just show up and do what you know to do, right? Just do what you know to do. That's very important. When you're working for God, you know, like, he's got this big picture, you know, this impossibility, but you just keep doing every day what you know to do, and that's what God asked you to do, and that's what Noah did exactly. Now, you see, consistency is how you come over resistance. To be, if you'll be consistent, you will, you will defeat being resistant, what's resisting you, if you'll just be consistent. Now, what I want you to understand is this, is that Noah had his family go out and work on this ark. And it was their project. And here's the deal, is that when they would go out to work on that ark, they would go out there and worship. You know what that means? That means that they would say, God, we love you. You said we love you, God. That's what worship is. is saying, God, we love you, and that we're going to build this ark because we're going to serve you. We're going to do what you say to do, even though we don't understand it, even though we're tired, we don't feel like it. We're going to do what you say to do. And what I want you to understand is, is that Noah was building the ark that, that he didn't know why he was building. Really, he didn't get all of it together, but he was building an ark that was going to save him and his family. The very ark that he was building, you know, he thought was to save all everybody else, but God had it intended to just save him and his family. And what I'm trying to tell you, dude, the church is an ark. God's ark today in the world is the church of Jesus Christ. That means that people that belong to Jesus Christ is called the church, God's family, and it's the ark. And I want to tell you, my friend, the best thing that you can do is to find your place in helping build the ark. Amen is that you've got a place, God's got a place to help you build the ark. Why? Because as you try to build the ark, help save other people, really it's you that's being saved. Did you get that? If, when, you, when you volunteer to serve at SEC or at, at the church, you know, in God's kingdom, when you volunteer to do that, you say, well, I got a full-time job just like Noah did. And i got this responsibility, but when you give up your time to come and serve on the ark, it's, you're not just saving everybody else, you're saving your life. To give you an example of this, this past weekend was Father's Day, and uh, after Ron and I had visited our dads, we come home on that Sunday night, and I sat down on the sofa just a second, and I, I went to, I opened up Facebook on my phone, and I saw this post of a young lady in our church, and listen to what it says, it says this, Happy Father's Day to my awesome daddy-o. Thank you for teaching me what's important in life. Now, look at these next three words. Loving who? Loving the Lord. Leading well. Cool cars. Sarcasms. That's what dads are for, right? And yummy food. Here's to more dad jokes and knowing all the lyrics to all the Taylor Swift songs. Thank you for loving my mom so well and for treating me and Carly like princesses. I love you. That is so sweet, isn't it? That's so nice. But you see, you don't know the background to that. Fifteen years ago, that guy right there, the, you know, his family wasn't uh, this age at that point. They walked into this church, and as they walked in this church, the only reason he came in is because his neighbors had invited him, and his wife wanted to go because he had, he said, I'm an atheist. I do not believe there is a God. And that was his stance as he walked in the doors of this church. His name is Brandon Keller. And as Brandon, you know, as he come to church, his wife sort of liked it. And, and again, he just got her to move from California to Georgia. So the least he could do right now is try to appease her while she's adjusting, right? And so they decided that they would, he would come back with her. And finally, you know what? As he come back, he realized that we needed some help doing some things. And so one of those things was in our, uh, in our tech booth, and that was the lighting system. And you know what he said his responsibility was? Is to just take his one finger and hit one button, and that was it. He said, that was my first responsibility. And then he said, you know what? He said, then somebody said, hey, we need to to do a work day around here. And he said, everybody said, bring a shovel. So he said, I showed up with my shovel. He said, I dug trenches around this church. I don't even know why. I'm an atheist. I don't believe in any of this. But I want to make my wife happy. What I want to tell you is this. as, As he began to build the ark, And work on the church, which is God's ark. As he began to work on it, God began to work on him. And he began to move in him. And he began to change his heart. And finally, he opened his heart up to Jesus Christ. And he he accepted him as Lord and Savior. And now his... His teenage daughter, who is actually about in college now, has wrote this note on Father's Day. Thank you for teaching me how to love the Lord. This atheist now is teaching his children how to love the Lord. What I'm trying to tell you is this. Listen, as he served in the church, God began to serve in him. And God began to save him and save his family. God did for his family what he could not do. When you begin to serve in God's family and serve God's church, God will begin to save you. He saves you. Listen, people say to me all the time, well you know what? Well, I'm not just call, I'm not called to that. Now, let me tell you something. You should do what you're called to do and then you should do what you can do. Did you hear that? Listen, you don't have to be you don't have to be called to rock a baby in the nursery, right? If you love babies and you're good with them, then glory to God, then rock some babies, right? In the name of Jesus. Listen, you don't have to be called to stand at the front door and greet somebody and smile at them. If you got hands and you got a big smile, then you just go out there and show all your pearly whites, right? You go, you, listen, you don't have to be called to stand in the parking lot and show people where to park and wave at them as they come in and leave. You don't have to have a calling for that. God doesn't expect you to do just what you're called to. He expects you to do what you, you can do, right? Listen, if there's a piece of paper on the ground and you're walking up, you don't say, well, I'm not called for that. I'm not called. No, I'm not called to be the trash man. Oh, let me tell you something. Right now, in the name of Jesus, you called to pick up the piece, piece of paper. Amen? Amen. You are. You called. If your children told you, you know, you said, "Now I want you to take out the trash." I said, well, I'm not called to take out the trash. You know what you got to say? You got to say, "Well, if you're gonna live in this house, you better get the calling right now," because <laughs> the need is a call, right? And what I'm telling. Listen. What I'm trying to tell you is that every time that you serve in the church, it does something for you. As Noah was building the ark and his family, God was building their faith in him because they were going to be the only people on earth and they needed God and they needed faith. And so as they built the ark, God was building their faith. As you serve in the church, guess what? God's building your faith. Let me just say thank you to you. I've been the pastor of this church for 24 years. Let me tell you something. I don't. I can't get credit for helping save you, but you've saved me. You know why? Because for 24 years, every time I felt like giving up, all of a sudden one of you, something would happen in your life, and I had. I felt like, well, God, I need to help this just this one more person, and I'm done. Oh God, and there to be another person. I need to help this one more person. Every time I showed up to serve somebody and serve in some capacity, God did a renewing in my heart and gave me purpose and and life inside of me. I'm telling you that the reason that you showed up this morning is because God has something for you to do. And there's been many times, listen, that you showed up because you was, it was your time to serve in the nursery. It was your time to, you know, to serve as a greeter. It was your time to be an usher. And you showed up, only the only reason you showed up is because it was your time. Has anybody ever done that? Like, I don't feel like going to church today, but You know, I'm on the schedule, and I got to do what I said I would do, right? And then you showed up, and once you got here, it's amazing what God did for you once you got here, right? I mean, you didn't feel like it before, but now you got in here, and God is moving inside of you. You shook some people's hands. You come into worship service, and the message that day was just for you. Aren't you glad you was here? The only reason you were here is because you were serving. Can you tell I'm passionate about this? It has made me, and it makes you... You will never be, you will never be what God wants you to be until you're serving the ark of God, which is the church, the church. And so here's, a, here's what I have on your connection card, a next step. Look what it says. I will do my best to complete Growth Track by the end of August. I'm asking you to do that. Why? Because Growth Track is a place that we find where you fit so that you can serve and it saves you. You're helping build the ark that's going to save other people, but it will save you as well and your family. We want your story to be a Brandon and Tani story. Now, the other thing about that story is this, is that his wife there, Tani Keller, she's actually now our executive pastor at our church. You know what that means? That means that she helps run the day-to-day operations of our church. Over a thousand people, she's running it now. Isn't that amazing? So God can take you... See, God can do what you, don't, what you think he can't do. He can do the impossible. And we would have never thought that possible, but God did. And so I want to challenge you to get on board with us. All right. Remember our verse that we're saying that Jesus said. Let's say it again out loud. Ready? Come on. All things are possible. Come on. Say it like you believe it. All things are possible with God. All things are possible. I never want something from you. I always want something for you. And that's why I'm asking you to get on board. And do what you can do for the kingdom of God. Amen? Yes. Amen. Okay, the third thing, would you write this down? Is keep your eyes on the promise of God. Keep your eyes on the promise of God. Remember, do you remember how old I told you that Noah was when he started this project? How old? how old? 500 years old, right? 500 years old. Now look what it says here. Noah was how old now? Six. Years. Six- 100 years. He was 600 years old when the flood waters come on the earth. And Noah and his son and his wife and his son's wives entered the ark to escape the waters of the flood. Pairs of the clean and unclean animals, of the birds and of all the creatures that move along the ground. So it was 100 years that Noah had to build on that ark. 100 years. 100 years of people saying Noah's never going to rain. But Noah held on the promise of God days that Noah's wife went out there and said, Noah, listen, you know, we're doing this and it's been 75 years, Noah. I mean, come on, Noah. It's probably not going to happen. Noah held on to the promise of God. For 100 years, he held on to the promise of God. Let me ask you something. Have you let go of the promise of God for your life? Have you given up on the promise of God? Last Sunday, Rhonda and I went to uh, see my father and my dad is not well it's very difficult some of you will understand this one day when you begin to watch your parents decline and some of you have experienced this but that day we went to my dad was at my sister's house and so we went over there and my brother-in-law was cooking on the back porch And Rhonda and I were sitting out there on the back porch with my father and my brother-in-law completed cooking He went inside the house and my dad like he was excited that he went in the house And both of us had noticed how good my dad looked Because my father He's a he's a bad diabetic and and uh, he just barely can can get around walking And a year and a half ago something horrible happened He was taking some medication and a medication lowered his immune system and when it lowered his immune system there's little things that you and I, viruses that we have in our body that we don't even know because our immune system takes care of it well it lowered his immune system and that virus attacked his eyes and my dad is legally blind now a year and a half ago that happened I mean in one week he went from being able to see great to now can't see legally blind, he can just see a little bit around him he can't drive anymore it took away his freedom and so we're sitting on the back porch there and my, my brother-in-law goes in and my dad leans up in his chair and he looks at Rhonda and I he said did I tell you what the Lord said to me I was like no, I don't think you have dad, he said they won't believe me, but you will, and so Rhonda and I listened He said, Jeff, three weeks ago, God woke me up early in the morning. He said, he told me that he was going to heal me. That I'm going to be healed. And he said, Jeff, I want you to know something. When I get healed and I can see the drive again, I'm going to get me a new red Ford pickup. And I'm going to drive it. He said, I'm he said, son, I'm telling you that God is going to heal me. And uh, this Friday, he had a doctor's appointment. He had an eye doctor's appointment that I carried him to, a specialist. He goes to him every six months. And so we were going to that doctor's office, and I was going with a belief that this was going to be, you know, a turnaround day that they said, hey, there's- he's getting better. As they examined his eyes, I listened to the doctor go, mm, you know how they always talking under their breath a little bit, scaring you to death, you know, I go, yeah, is this bad or good, I don't know. And the nurse in the room, he was saying things to her, and then finally he turned around and he looked at me and he says, I'm sorry to tell you this, but your father's vision is not coming back. And I said, Doc, is there anything that we can do just to make them 10% better, if you can just help, help us make it 10% better, it, it'll be fine, he said, Sorry to tell you, his eyes are never going to get better. As he went out of the room, the nurse is still sitting there. She's sort of trying to console my father. My dad stands up on his cane, and he turns his face toward her voice. He says, ma'am, I want to tell you something. I know he said, I would come back in six months. He says, but the next time I see you, I'm going to have 2020 visions. vision. That's faith. The reason my dad is, the reason he can continue to go on is because he believes with all within himself that he, he's got a promise from God And he refuses to let go. He said, Jeff, this is how I live is I hold on to this promise from God. There's some of you sitting here today that you had a promise from God, and you let go of it, you lost sight of that promise. And you sort of feel hopeless right now. And you sort of feel discouraged. But today I want to challenge you to hold on to the promise of God. Would you stand with me? I want to ask you one more time, what is the promise of God that you let go of? It's been too long. It hasn't happened. One hundred years Noah worked on this ark before the flood came. My question to you today is this, are you willing today to lean into the promise of God again? Just one more time, just one more, are you willing to lean into that promise of God?